imagine if you could overhear private, unfiltered conversations between the world's most influential and inspirational women? Now you can. Welcome to Leadership Global, where you'll hear from inspiring leaders who will help you define your vision, grow your leadership, expand your influence, and increase your impact to leave a lasting legacy. Welcome. Thank you for joining Leadership Global Podcast with Samantha Harris. You know, today, to be a top performer, it's not just about hustling harder and driving faster. You need to ensure that you're bringing a balance to all aspects of your being, intellectual, emotional, spiritual, and even physical fitness. If you're exhausted and burned out, you won't use your voice to change the world. If you're not giving yourself the care you need, you won't have the health and wellness you need to achieve all you can be. And, you know, women and men just aren't the same, particularly when it comes to their health risks. The first step to staying healthy is knowing what you're up against and then taking the necessary precautions to reduce your risk. The good news is that many of the leading threats to women's health, which can vary based on your age and background, are nearly all preventable. In fact, did you know that illnesses and diseases pose the biggest threat to women's health in America? You may be surprised. Heart disease, which accounts for about 27% of all female deaths, kill more women in the United States than all forms of cancer combined, nearly 500,000 women annually. And of course, cancer, the second most dangerous threat to women's health, accounts for about 22% of all female deaths and kills about 270,000 women in the U.S. alone. Stroke, COPD, Alzheimer's, diabetes, pneumonia, and more are all significant threats to your health as a woman today. And that's why today's discussion is so important. We're going to discuss real-world strategies for overcoming adversity and systematically improving your total well-being. Today, you'll hear practical advice that will empower you to eat better, work out smarter, reduce toxins around you, master your medical awareness, handle health crises, strengthen your relationships, boost your positivity, and build resiliency. So today's conversation is going to be really important, and I'm so glad that we have Samantha Harris to guide us through today's conversation. To talk with us today about reaching your healthiest healthy, please help me welcome Samantha Harris, certified health coach, best-selling author, Emmy-winning entertainment journalist, and TV host. Most of you may know Samantha Harris from her eight seasons as the co-host of the hit show, Dancing with the Stars, or her many years as one of the hosts of Entertainment Tonight. She's an Emmy-winning entertainment journalist and TV host who also starred on Broadway in the musical Chicago. Beyond that, Samantha is a certified health coach and best-selling author. Her book, Your Healthiest Healthy, was named by People Magazine as a top 10 health and wellness book. She's also an ambassador for Susan G. Komen and the American Cancer Society. Samantha's here today, however, because as a cancer survivor, she ignites wellness in others while inspiring people to take control of their best health yet, she's going to share tips for living her healthiest life possible. Out of the emotional turmoil of her diagnosis, Samantha and her husband founded the online community, Gotta Make Lemonade, 
to inspire positivity in the face of adversity. Samantha has turned her own cancer lemon into lemonade, and now she is stronger, fitter, healthier, and more energized than ever as a thriver. Please join me in welcoming Samantha Harris. Thank you. Thank you, Linda. Thank you, Christina. I, I'm thrilled to be here. What a, an incredible and empowering podcast you are putting together for people who really, truly do need. We can never, we really can never hear enough about how to take care of ourselves. And that's something that you are doing. And it's a gift. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you so much, Samantha, for joining us today. To kick us off, why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey and what led you to write your book, Your Healthiest Healthy? So at 40, I was more fit and healthier than I had ever been, or so I thought. And I thought, you know, I'm going to set a baseline. I'm going to get a jump on that mammogram thing that I've been hearing about. Uh, my grandmother, uh, my dad's side, was a breast cancer survivor. She lived to 95. She had been diagnosed postmenopausal um, at about 65. And my dad had colon cancer, diagnosed at 48, and died at age 50. And I thought, you know, look, I have a wonderful husband. We have two young girls who are just three and six. I'm so healthy, let's set a baseline. And I got that mammogram. And the results came back clear, just as I had expected. But 11 days later, I was changing after a workout. And you know how tight and constricting those sports bras can be. And so I'm gonna get a little personal here, but you know, you kind of gotta roll one to the right, roll one to the left. I kind of call it my soft tissue, soft shoe. It's like five, six, seven, eight. Um, so here I am rolling things out and all of a sudden I felt something in my right breast that I had never felt before. And it was pretty sizey, the size of about a quarter. And I thought that's really strange. I wasn't that worried. I just had a clear mammogram, but I was turning 40. I'm getting older, who knows? But I still called my OBGYN. I thought I still need to take control of my health. Let's call her. I trusted her more than any other doctor that I'd ever had. She delivered both my kids. She had a very uh, non-fearful uh, type, type of bedside manner that was uh, just straight to the point, but also didn't add, you know, she wasn't an alarmist. And I saw her, she did a quick clinical exam and said, yeah, it's nothing. And she sent me on my way. Well, a month later, that nagging lump was still there. And I had that nagging voice inside my head saying, Samantha, what is this for real? Get a second opinion. But look, not for a second did I think it would be breast cancer or anything really serious. But I went to see my internist. He did a quick clinical exam, felt around and said, yeah, yeah, it's nothing. If you're worried about it, we'll keep an eye on it and sent me on my way. Well, let me tell you, four months later, that lump was still there, that stubborn thing. And I had that, that voice inside my head that just kept saying, what is it? What is it? If it's truly nothing, how do we know from just feeling it? Let's, let's figure it out. Let's know for certain it is nothing. So that's when I called and I owed BGYN again. I said, I need, I need a referral. I need to see someone who looks at breasts every single day that, that they know what to look for if for some reason there was something serious. So she sent me to a surgical oncologist at a breast center at one of the area hospitals. And again, not for a second did I think I had breast cancer. I had two ultrasounds and a needle biopsy in that one appointment. And even that oncologist said, yeah, you know, I mean, you're not crazy. I do see something, but it doesn't look like cancer. But you know what? Let's just, let's get the results back from that needle biopsy, which came back with 
a, prolif a proliferation of cells. But she said, but it's not cancer. But since I don't know what it is, thankfully she listened to her gut and she said, let's take it out. We took it out, woke up from surgery, was told once again, not cancer. Went on my merry way a week later, went back for my final pathology results and actually told my husband to stay home with the kids, didn't need to come with me. And that's when I sat by myself in this oncologist's office as I found out that I had not just ductal carcinoma in situ, which is breast cancer contained within the duct, which doesn't have the, the smarts to get outside of it, but also invasive breast cancer. And so that meant another surgery and I had a big long road ahead of me. Wow, what a story, Samantha. And yet you were able to take that uh, really traumatizing situation and create a movement around it. You created the healthiest healthy book. You created the online community, Gotta Make Lemonade. And as you were doing research for your book, what were two or the three of the most surprising discoveries about how to take control of your health and how to create your own healthiest healthy? Well, I think first and foremost, one of the most surprising discoveries for me as a newly diagnosed breast cancer patient was that only five to 10% of breast cancers were hereditary. So here I was with a grandmother who had had breast cancer, a dad who had a colon cancer, and there's sometimes a breast colon connection. And yet all of my genetic testing came back negative, no, no hereditary link. And that baffled me. And that's truly what sent me into my deep research plunge, where I read everything I could. I spoke to as many experts as I could and, and leaning into my journalism background, research is what we do. And so that was first and foremost, what I thought was the most surprising, um, because I think a lot of us think whether it's cancer or heart disease, um, or even type 2 diabetes, we think, oh, it's in my family. I'm destined to get it. Oh, well, nothing I can do. So I think the next biggest takeaway was that genetics are only a small part of the story. Whereas before I thought it was the story. And we, you know, we've learned now through epigenetics, right, the, the study of what turns our genes on and off, right? The environmental factors, the air around us, the food we're eating, the products we're putting on our body, uh, the relationships we're having, how much toxicity is causing stress and high cortisol levels. And what is that doing internally on a cellular level? To me, that was mind blowing. And for the first time in my life, I, I realized, and I always was someone who was passionate about health and wellness, but I was absolutely blown away by the idea that, wait, I have some control over my health destiny, over my longevity, and over the morbidity at the end of my life. So how can I take that control? And so uh, the genetics, the ability to be able to control some of those genetics. And then I would say, you know, some of them, I mean, they're, they're geez, there's so many things so that were just mind blowing along the, the way. Um, but I think I didn't realize too, just how important relationships were. I mean, I, on an emotional level, we all know how important it is to have great relationships and strong relationships. But the, you know, there, there are so many studies that have been done that talk about people who live the longest lives have some of the strongest connections, right? It's not about the quantity of people, it's about the quality and knowing that you have at least three or four really solid relationships, people you can count on. And I think as women too, you know, and that's such the thrust of, of what your podcast is focusing on women. We as women, we're doers, we're caregivers, we're jugglers, we're doing so much that sometimes 
or maybe more than often, often than not, we get put at the bottom of the to-do list. So self-care, I would say I'm going for a fourth, but self-care and the importance of self-care, I think was the other biggest takeaway. I think we're going to have so many listeners that just absolutely connect with what you just said, not just from a breast cancer standpoint, but just from a, just the four critical factors that you just outlined. And certainly I did. And I, I think that, you know, they're applicable in not just the breast cancer space, but, you know, beyond that to just our overall health. And so in that vein, there are a variety of chronic health issues like heart disease and diabetes that many of our listeners are going to be struggling with. And what can some of these women do beyond, you know, the role of the patient to really help in their treatment of disease and to take control of their health? Well, I think really, Christina, prevention is the key. You know, um, I am so grateful to the incredible medical professionals that have been in my life and in my dad's life. Um, from you know the oncologist to the nurse navigator and everyone in between at the same time so often the medical community is you know they're in triage they we're diagnosed right we're living our lives we're doing all this this just damage really to our bodies and so then when something finally happens right we get a diabetes diagnosis we get a cancer diagnosis we are having horrible migraines we can't figure out why whatever the issue is and we go to these doctors to fix us forgetting that we actually could maybe back up a few steps and take control and empower ourselves to take control of our own health so that we can work from a preventative standpoint. And thankfully, the, the world of holistic medicine is becoming bigger. Um, the role of health coaches is becoming greater. And so the people are starting to wake up as I, sadly, it took a cancer diagnosis for me. I hope that from people listening to your podcast, from people really taking advantage of the, of the great resources that are out there are able to really understand that there are fantastic uh, avenues to be able to take control of preventative medicine and prevent the future potential diagnoses. I think that's absolutely right, Samantha, that you know, at the top of our discussion, we talked about how many of the diseases and chronic conditions that women um, suffer through more, uh, more often than men are actually preventable. Um, so what are some of the most important small manageable steps that anyone can take to help prevent those kinds of diseases and to live their very best, healthiest life. I'm, I'm glad you asked because I think that is the key right there, what you just said, small manageable steps, right? We can't change overnight. Our habits are so deeply ingrained in us that sometimes it can be debilitatingly overwhelming to feel that we have to make changes. And people think, oh no, you're gonna take away my steak or you're gonna take away, right? The things that we, we hold dear and near and dear, my, my French fries, my French fries, I love my French fries. Um, so, <laughs> and my sushi. Um, so really those small manageable steps. When it comes to nutrition, if there is one thing you do, and, and I'm gonna just jump back for a second to the disease idea, which is that the changes overall that you make for cancer prevention are the same types of changes that are beneficial for your best brain health to uh, hopefully avoid Alzheimer's disease and dementia to prevent as much as we can heart disease and type 2 diabetes. So the nutri nutritionally, it's fill your plate half full of veggies 
at every meal. I'm going to say that again. Half full of veggies at every meal. Like I grew up in Minnesota, land of the cow. Uh, I ate everything from tongue to practically tail. And so I understand the idea of a big slab of meat front and center as the starring role of our plate. And so this was something that was really hard for me to get my head around. Post-cancer, I stopped eating red meat when I moved to LA. It just, I don't know why, but I was eating a lot of chicken and turkey and fish. And so there are health benefits to certain fish, um, low mercury, low uh, PCB fish like wild Alaskan salmon, sardines, mackerel, and anchovies, which I know I haven't figured out a great recipe for those either um, because they have great um, brain benefits as well. But when you think of meat and animal proteins as more of a, a condiment of sorts, a condiment, as one of the health professionals likes to refer to them. Um, it, it's still giving you some of that animal that you feel like you're craving. But when you were, we're just usually it's that slab of meat and a little bit of veggie and a little bit of uh, maybe a white rice or a white potato. So even making the swap of instead of a white potato, it's a sweet potato um, or spaghetti squash. And instead of white rice, um, I would actually reduce the grain amount and maybe make it a, a brown rice, something more whole grain so that it takes longer to process and doesn't turn to sugar as fast in your system, which then spikes your insulin, right? Spikes that blood sugar, which then leads to inflammation and inflammation is really at the root of a lot, root of a lot of diseases. Um, so that's the nutrition part. I think that I think makes that complete sense. And so, you know, what we'd love to hear is any other suggestions you have. And then also let us know, since you've implemented these changes, what benefits have you seen in your own life? It's a great question, Christina. So um, first of all, I'll just jump right into the benefits of just what I've seen from my plant-based whole foods sort of swap that I have done. I, I've been, let me preface by saying I've been known as the energizer bunny among my family and friends for a lot of years. However, it has increased my energy tenfold. So I used to, even with all the energy that I had, I'd still get that, you know, post lunch, two or three in the afternoon lull where I just kind of get sleepy. And then I'd wake myself up and it'd be dinner and then get the kids ready for bed. And then as I was singing the lullabies, it'd be, I'd kind of find my eyes closing again at like eight o'clock when I'm putting them to bed would have been perfectly happy to go to sleep, but want to have some time with my husband. So then make myself stay awake till 10 again and, you know, and then go to sleep. So now I can get up, you know, at 6.30, 7.30 if I can in the morning and go straight through to 10.30 at night. And I don't get that lull. I also found, and I wasn't trying to drop any weight, but I found that it whittled my waistline a little bit more. Um, obesity is a huge pandemic here, of course, in the United States, the fattest country in the world. Obesity increases your chances of every single disease there is practically in every way. It is the number one, I would almost venture to say, and I'm putting myself out there by saying that, but obesity is truly the number one killer, right? Because of all the things that come from it. So if we can whittle our waistlines, we can get to a healthy body weight. Um, so that would, I would say was the number one thing. I think my skin has looked great. I feel younger and fresher. Um, I just have more, I think when I'm eating healthfully, uh, I just, you make more healthful decisions overall, whether it's, yeah, I am going to go for a walk with the dog, you know, this afternoon, even though I have 20 things to do, or it makes you continue to stay committed to your workouts. So 
those I think have been some of the biggest immediate benefits that I've seen. Um, my cholesterol is lower than it's ever been. Um, so you can go to the blood work that I, you know, that I'm doing. I do, I see an internist that's an integrative internist. He does blood work every four to six months. So I can see where all my levels are. And so that's pretty awesome. Um, you know, the places we can't truly see. Uh, all right. Do you want me to jump into some other small manageable steps? Yeah, that would be great. Okay. So the next would be taking time to slow down. We are in this incredibly fast paced world, much more than our parents or our grandparents were. We know this, we know that we are always doing, we're moving, we're, we're not stopping and and standing still for a moment. We're on our, you know, the, I mean, I, I've had to consciously been waiting in line at the bank. And I remember consciously saying, put your phone down. You don't need to look at your phone and just breathe. Look out the window, look at the trees and breathe. And I, I can tell you the difference when we stop and we breathe. And I'm not saying that you have to adopt a 30 minute meditation practice daily. That would be fantastic. It's something six years post-cancer I'm still working on. Um, but what I do try to integrate and I find for everyone, it is incredibly beneficial are just micro meditations. So that can look different in many ways. It can look like a two to five minute meditation that you do where you really put your phone down. It can be guided or you can just sit there closing your eyes and focusing on your breath. And when a thought comes into the space, you say, in your brain thought and then let it go or whatever trigger word you want to use. Or you can have a, a mantra. Mine that I really love is I'm happy, I'm healthy, I'm fit, I'm strong. And uh, that's something that's really helped me post-cancer. And not saying I'm cancer-free, uh, which is what I used to say, because then it brought the word cancer back into it. So really keeping it very positive. But also meditation can look different in, in many forms. It can mean going on a walk, for five minutes, whether it's in the middle of your work day and you're like, you know what, I just get to step away from the computer for a minute and walking away, uh, walking around in nature, ideally, I know we're heading, in, you know, the, the, when the winters and the weather changes and whatever time of year it is, sometimes it's not as, um, depending on where you live, not, you're not as able to be out in nature, but when you can get out in nature and focus, be mindful, be present. And even if it's two minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes of listening to the birds, feeling the warmth of the sun on your face, feeling the, the breeze, uh, focusing in on the earth beneath your feet, supporting you. Those are really tremendously beneficial things. It's something I also really have found that I need. And I started it first when with yoga and making my, I started taking yoga years ago, way before cancer, because I envied Madonna's chaturanga arms you know, from her push-ups, her yoga push-ups. And then I realized, oh wait, I actually need this. It's almost like a forced meditation for me because I'm always on the go. But in yoga, for that one hour on the mat, I'm forced to breathe and be present. That was very helpful back then. So being mindful and focusing on the here and now and in the moment, what is scientifically what I find or physiologically what I find really phenomenal about it is so we all know there's that sympathetic nervous system. It's the fight or flight, right? It's the, from back in the day when we were being chased by some animal or we were chasing our kill because we needed to eat back in the hunter gatherer early days. Well, we still have that in us. 
However, back then we were walking and foraging for eight hours a day and maybe doing that hunter gatherer, you know, running away from the animal for maybe two or three minutes and getting that sprint. So the parasympathetic, uh, the sympathetic nervous system only was activated for a very short time. And the rest of the time while we were walking in nature, that parasympathetic, that rest, relax, regenerate part of our internal system was active. Now it's everything's flipped in our crazy world. So, but what is so wonderful is that the parasympathetic nervous system and the sympathetic nervous system cannot physiologically be in activity at the same time. So when one's going, the other one has to shut off and vice versa. So if you force yourself, and I, and I force sounds like the wrong word here, but when you choose to slow down and be mindful, integrating some sort of breath work. Your parasympathetic nervous system is activated and the stress, the cortisol, all the stuff that really leads to the inflammation and then the negative additions to what's going on in your body. And that epigenetics we were talking about, the switching on or off of the hormone, I mean, of the, of the genetics of the DNA um, of maybe some sort of dormant cancer gene, we wanna keep them at bay. And so it switches them off in those moments where you're taking that time for yourself. That's great, Samantha, thank you so much. And I also would uh, really encourage our listeners to consider um, getting a copy of Samantha's book, Your Healthiest Healthy. I know I've read it and many of my friends have read it. I've sent it out as gifts to all of my colleagues, all of my girlfriends, because it is such an incredibly important book and absolutely talks about everything from positivity to nutrition, to wellness, to exercise, just everything that you need to create a recipe of wellness. Um, so Samantha, if someone had a question and they want to get in touch with you to say, hey, I, I read your book and I have, I have a question I really wanna ask, is there a way that they can get in touch with you? Absolutely. Well, first of all, I'm really active on Instagram, which is at Samantha Harris TV. Um, so I try to get to all of my DMs and my comments. Sometimes I miss something. So if you want to make sure, definitely follow me there because I put a lot of information and, and advice and tips and just I like to have fun on it. But also uh, <laughs> yourhealthiesthealthy.com is my private health coaching page. It has a lot of information and I want to offer to your listeners uh, a free 25 minute health consultation with me. So if they go to yourhealthiesthealthy.com, they can click the contact page and they'll fill out a little form there and I'll get back to them. And it's a yeah, first come first serve. And of course, as time allows permits and whatever, but I, I try to get to as many people as I can that way as well. Oh, That's how generous of you. That's incredible. It's amazing. I was so excited to hear you say that. I'm, I'm, I'm also going to selfishly take advantage of that because listening to you today, you've inspired so many things just for me and I'm sure all the listeners, Linda, as well, to think about the applications for what your sort of lessons and your leadership and just everything you brought here today just gives us something really special to think about and so important. So thank you, Samantha. But one final question. This is like the one for all the marbles because this, uh -oh. is, a, <laughs> this is a leadership podcast and, and we want you know women to really live their best lives inside and out. And so 
um, in all the lessons you've shared with us today, what would you say is the best leadership lesson you can apply from your health journey um, to your to a leadership journey? Well, I think that when we're taking care of ourselves, we're able to take care of others, whether that's the team who we're working with in a work environment or are the team who we live with on a daily basis. And so self-care, I think a lot of times people think, well, gosh, that means maybe taking a hot bath or getting in my workout or getting a massage. That's, that's time consuming and it's for me and that's selfish, but self-care isn't selfish. It's really selfless. So to be a successful leader, you, it, it's imperative to take care of yourself. It also shows those who are working around you that you value being your healthiest, best self. Because the more um, you take time, whether it's a brain break to step away from the computer to take that five minute nature walk or a two minute micro meditation, it allows you to be honestly more productive at your, at your work. And that is my takeaway. Amazing. Thank you. You got Perfect, it. Samantha. Thank you so much. I got to tell you that it has been an honor and pleasure to know you over the last couple of years and to watch you not just inspire, encourage, and lift up other women, but actually to enact all of those practices in your own life is simply inspiring. So thank you, Samantha, for being with us today and helping to, again, encourage coach, mentor, and guide other women. Um, I know that it has been not just a pleasure, but an honor to learn from you. And I know that the rest of our audience will feel the same. So thank you. Thank you both so much. It's been really an honor being here with you and thank you for all you're doing. Thank you for joining Leadership Global, a podcast for and about unstoppable women stepping into courage, claiming their power, and embracing bold leadership. Join us each week as we talk to a collection of inspirational women changing the world and tackling the most pressing issues we're facing today as women and as leaders. See you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.